Welcome to the Satiated Podcast, where we explore physical and emotional hunger, satiation, and healing your relationship with your food and body. I'm your host, Stephanie Mara Fox, your somatic nutritional counselor. I'm thrilled to introduce you today to Brenna O'Malley. Brenna is a registered dietitian and founder of The Wellful, based in San Francisco, California. The Wellful is a non-diet community and virtual private practice. Brenna loves helping people find food freedom from diet culture and food guilt so that they can do the things they love without letting food rules or a number on the scale dictate how they show up for themselves each day. Welcome, Brenna. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. Me as well. So I would love to start off just learning a little bit more about you and the Wellful and how you got into this work. Yeah, I think the background or how I how I ended up getting into here was I saw a dietitian in high school for my own GI issues that were like kind of food intolerances, figuring out what that was. I had some food allergies and intolerances, celiac runs in my family. And so I had a really positive experience with that dietitian. And I also had the experience of taking these sort of like innocent, supposedly supposed to be helpful, like food rules or listening to my body in this way, right? Or like potentially having this intolerance. And I think a combination of being like 15 at the time, combination of living in diet culture, combination of like, however, that sort of manifested of just being someone who had to be a little bit more aware of what I was eating turned into my own, you know, disordered eating and, and body dysmorphia struggles. And so I think that both of those separately were interesting pieces, but I didn't think about exploring this as a field or career until later into college when I had like done some marketing I thought I wanted to work in marketing and I had worked for some startup food companies and some like really cool women entrepreneurs in New York. And I loved the startup space, but then I realized how influenced we are by food marketing and by like the messages that we get on food products. And so sort of started to like marry those two pieces of training under and working for some like eating disorder private practices in New York City and also these like food companies and, you know, seeing how language is important when we talk about our bodies, language is important and influential in how we talk about food and decided to become a dietitian in my like sort of roundabout way um, so that I could have those similar relationships to that dietitian who I worked with in high school, but also sort of marry these two pieces of a non-diet approach, intuitive eating, relationships with food, and how we talk about food. So I started The Wellful in 2017 as a newsletter and then started taking clients in about, worked under some other private practices, trained under some other people. Yeah. And so now have been now fully take clients under the wealthful is all virtual. I'm based in San Francisco, but I see clients all over around um, disordered eating and relationship with food and recovery from diet culture and this feeling of confusion and overwhelm that often comes up around food, even from kind of that more innocent place of like an interest in health or wanting to eat in a certain way to like work through some like GI issues or intolerances or those different things. But I think because of the culture that we live in, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, it can end up feeling a bit more murky and tricky than maybe it initially intended for it to be. Oh my gosh. We have very similar backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> my journey also started with digestive issues. And so I really appreciate you bringing this up of actually how confusing complicating it can become when you have this initial intention of wanting to try to heal something, 
but it actually like on the spectrum of disordered eating, eating disorders can kind of start falling into that realm. And it's really confusing. And I would love for you to share more about like, what are some red flags that someone can pick up on when they're like, but I'm trying to heal this thing, but now it's actually falling a little bit into disordered eating behavior. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, having some awareness as you go in, so like, even if maybe like you have no experience with disordered eating, you've had like a, you know, relatively neutral relationship with food from so far. Right. But you're kind of exploring these different pieces. I think just like having a radar around it and being like, okay, um, how can I eat in a way that supports my health or feels good? Right. Or like, you know, eats and eats foods that are safe to me or allows myself to like be safe in these different situations of eating. Right. And there might be some like added level of needing to ask questions about the menu or look at the menu ahead of time or look at these different things and saying, but like, can I still add in like flexibility and allow myself to enjoy these foods as I can? So I know something that was tricky for me with that was like, I, you know, wouldn't let myself have like the like gluten-free fun foods. Like I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just never have like bread or like baked goods because like it's like, I can't eat the real ones. Then I just won't have the gluten-free ones. Right. And I think part of that was like, they didn't taste as good. They were like, not as exciting, but I think the other part of it was like, oh, this is kind of like a sneaky way for me to like have a reason or like an acceptable Mm -hmm. excuse to not have these different foods. And so I think that, right. If, if you're eating in a way that supports your health, that you should also be able to like enjoy foods too. And like feel included in in community meals or in these like different events. And like, can, does that mean you can bring different options to like a group dinner or like a potluck or some things that, you know, that you can participate in those things. So I would say some back to the red flags. I think that some red flags could be like, if it feels like there's like guilt or shame around those foods, Mm -hmm. if it feels like your way of eating that's supporting your health from this like relatively goal being neutral perspective. If it feels like there ends up being some morality there, if you end up feeling a little bit, maybe like judgmental of your own or other people's food choices, especially something that can happen is a lot of food intolerances that are really common, like dairy, gluten, you know, some of these ones are also co-opted by diet culture, (laughs) which is totally separate. And so it can feel like, you know, you know, you're making these choices because they make you feel good because you have this intolerance because you're exploring eating in this way. Right. But then in the context of our society, someone could view that as like you being on a diet or this being unnecessary or a lot of other people doing this, you know, for more like weight reasons or diet reasons or whatever it is. And so I think inherently there needs to be some like grace or, you know, we can add in some like compassion for yourself because it's difficult to navigate too, you know, of like you doing this for these reasons, but like, how can you kind of remind yourself or give yourself like the reminder that this is about you, this isn't about other people, or how can you, you know, be cognizant of trying to piece apart when it feels like that's being a little bit sneaky or feeling a little bit more like diet culture than you taking care of your health in that way. Yeah. I really hear you bringing in just this aspect of intention. Mm-hmm of, okay, am I doing this to control my body or am I doing this to support my body? I'm really getting curious about what's the intention behind why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like checking in with, with yourself too, right. Of like, 
how, how does this feel? This is maybe it's like a really big change in how you're eating or how you're grocery shopping. And like, that is hard and like giving yourself like grace to like grieve those foods too. Right. Like it's, it's really hard to like maybe have some of your favorite foods and then be like shifting the intention might be like, right. You might be like, okay, well, like this is like for my health or my body doesn't really react to the, you know, well to these foods or these different reasons. And it's okay that it's hard. Right. Or it's okay that you miss those other pieces of like maybe being able to like have your friend, like bring over something for you to eat and not needing to like think twice about it. Right. There is some like added level of like work there and, and that's challenging to, to navigate through. Yeah. If we could redefine health, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's the diet culture definition of health and how would you define health? Yeah. Well, I define health. I think that that's a great question. And I normally ask all, all of my clients to define health because I think that if you were to Google health, you would find a million definitions of it. Right. And I think that, you know, I, I, I heard someone say this and I, I was like, I think at a conference or I was talking to someone else and they were saying that they think of health as like being able to do what you want to do for as long as you can something around along those lines of like being able to like go through life and like do these different things and enjoy life for as long as you can being health. I think that that's like an interesting definition of it to me. I think it's like really dynamic. I think it changes. I, and I think defining it is helpful because I, I think my definition would be very similar to that would be like being able to like do things that make me feel good, be able to like be flexible, be able to like live my life and be able to like do that for you know, as long as I can. And when I, when those things change, like being able to like adjust so that those things can change. But I think noticing for someone else, if there's like morality attached to that, if there is a body size attached to that, if there is this like moral obligation attached to that, like those different pieces, I think that health can be such a loaded word, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're bringing in that health is self-defined. Mm-hmm. There isn't this one quintessential end all be all definition of health. Every single person gets to discover that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also why so many things are like individual, right? And it's like really hard to, I think when I was saying health in terms of like, like a food allergy intolerance perspective, I think the idea of that would be like, maybe not having, you know, this reaction that maybe your body has, right. Or knowing that like, your body doesn't react well to this food or can't process this type of food. Right. And so it's not inherently saying that you're unhealthy if that is happening. Right. I think that is where things get really murky, but maybe like kind of choosing choices that like feel good in some way. And I think that mental health has a lot to do with that too. Right. And kind of like looking at this like approach of how can you take care of all of those aspects of your, of your well-being and self and these pieces too. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that in. I find that with health, we're so focused on our physical health, but especially in the world that we're living in right now, you know, mental health is so, so, so important. What have you explored with your clients even recently around just enhancing and increasing their, their mental health? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is compassion and giving yourself space and kind of lowering the stakes of like, how can you take care of yourself today? Right. Mm -hmm. And like, if especially something that comes up often in working with like disordered eating and relationships with food and body images, a lot of like 
because of this messaging around almost like eating in a certain way or, you know, pursuing these different body goals in some way, or these like ways of eating a lot of the times at the expense of mental health, right. Of like, okay, I'm eating in this certain way, but I feel obsessed with food, or I don't think about anything else but food and I'm not socializing and I'm not doing these other things that are really important to me. And it's like, I think that that would be a good question for someone who's feeling that way, right? Of like, how does that like align with or not align with your definitions of health or like what's important to you, right? Because um, food is more than food. And like, we are not (laughs) just eating for fuel. We're eating for a lot of different things. We're eating for convenience. We're eating because it tastes good. We're eating because it's social, because it's traditional, because it's attached to these different memories, right? And as well as something that we all have to do every day. And so I think acknowledging that link to like that piece of mental health, but then also that, right, if you're feeling emotionally drained or uh, are feeling stressed or are feeling like unsafe in your body or feeling unsafe in the world or feeling, you know, upset physically, like that impacts not only your mental health, but also how you're able to like, like move throughout the day or how much energy you have to like make a meal for yourself or what it feels like to eat or rest or do these other things. And so I think kind of looking at, or, you know, kind of thinking about how can I do something for myself today, right? Like how can I maybe it doesn't look like what someone on Instagram's like perfect quote unquote, like day looks like, but how can Mm -hmm. I, you know, take care of myself today? What does that mean? Does that mean like looking out the window while I drink my coffee? Does that mean like taking a rest? Does that mean calling a friend? Does that mean ordering takeout because I just don't have the energy to eat? And I just like, don't want to think about it. Does it mean making a convenient meal instead of something that's like Instagrammable or whatever it is? And I think that those pieces can be helpful because those also not only align with health, right? Like even if we take health off the table, it's just how you're taking care of yourself throughout the day. And I think that we all need a lot of that, especially recently over the past few years. Yeah. I really appreciate you breaking it down of what can I just do today? Even what can I just do in this second of looking around the room, taking in my environment, what might feel nourishing right now, physically, emotionally, mentally, and Sometimes it's just when things feel so overwhelming, breaking it down to this, this second, this microsecond of how can I care for myself in this particular moment? So often we're potentially living in the past or projecting ourselves into the future. And, you know, it can make health feel really complicated, especially when, you know, you're talking also about disordered eating or eating disorders. And sometimes there can be a voice of like perfectionism, like you got to get it right in this moment. And if there was no right thing, this is where also body wisdom gets to come online of, well, what is my body just telling me right here and right now would feel okay. And that might be like watching Netflix or watching a movie or like, you know, we kind of have these, I think, expectations around what self-care is supposed to look like, like go take a bubble bath. (laughs) So it's like, Mm -hmm. what if you don't want to, you know, what if you just want to laugh and watch a good movie and in kind of normalizing the spectrum of things that can be supportive to us in any moment. Totally. Yeah. I love to, I I mean, I think there's a million versions of this, but I look with clients will write like a feel good list. Mm. And so it's just like a list of things that like either are things that they do and typically feel feel nice around. Right. So maybe, and it can be like a total range of things that take a lot of effort, take things that don't take much effort, but they're just kind of like a list of sort of like self-soothing or self-care or just nice things. And so it might be like 
like some things online are like calling friends or family, going to, I'm really close, like a few miles from Osha Beach here in San Francisco. So I'll like ride my bike over there or like get over there somehow. And like that feels really nice or getting coffee outside or watching like a feel good movie or doing some sort of movement or drinking water, right. Or like laying down or, or going on TikTok, right. Like depending on whatever it is. And just like having that list ahead of time too, so that in the moment you're not like, oh my gosh, I need something and I have no idea where to start. It's like, you have this little list that you've made for yourself ahead of time, which can be nice, which is also kind of caring for yourself, like preemptively. Yeah. That can be so important because in the moment, if we are in a fear response, it can, we can kind of forget what our choices even are. And so mm-hmm. just to prepare ahead of time, what your choices can be so that you remind yourself you have a choice could be so powerful. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's like a night, you know, I think it also can be hard sometimes to like, even think about the tools. Like often I'll ask clients, like, what are your, who are your support? Like, what are your support systems? And like, what, how do you manage stress? And like these different questions. Right. And sometimes it can be hard to even think about, you know, or to kind of like think of that on the fly. And so kind of giving yourself, maybe if you were to think about over the course of a week or over the course of a month, like who were some people that were like, helped you feel supported or what were some things that you know, made you feel good. Maybe they weren't even something that you used intentionally as a coping mechanism, but maybe it was just like, wow, it was so nice to like see that friend on Tuesday, you know? And like, maybe it's like, okay, seeing this friend, you know, feels really nice to me. And like, I think that it doesn't mean that you don't have those things or can't think of them. I think that we're not always thinking in the lens of like, what are my support systems? Who, what are my coping mechanisms? I think we have much more language around that more recently, but other times you're just kind of like going about these different things and like doing them. Right. And so almost like giving yourself the opportunity to sort of plant that seed in there and then notice when are the times that you feel supported? When are the times that you want some more support around? When are the times that you like feel really good being around a certain person or group of people or doing an activity? And I think that all sort of adds to your like evidence box of like, these are things that felt really nice to me. And these are things that maybe I'll go back to in the future too. Yeah. What I'm hearing in that is just paying attention. Sometimes when you're first starting to go on this journey of enhancing your physical or mental health care, that you don't really know what feels satiating to your unique self. And that might take some time to explore and discover that. And so it's trying something like you had to one day say, I wonder what it would be like to bike to the beach. (laughs) And then you went and you did it and you got to notice, okay, how did that feel? You know, and just learning, oh, that felt good. Sometimes it takes time to learn what feels Mm -hmm. good to our unique selves, not necessarily what we've been suggested or recommended externally. Totally. Totally. And then sometimes I feel like, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm like feeling this way today. And then like either some of my friends would be like, you should go to the beach. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, great. You're right. You know, like, I think you sometimes still need that like push of like, oh, right. I have these things that, you know, do feel good or, or, you know, it's like helpful to have those reminders too. A community, even as you learn those things, sharing with your community. Okay. These are things that I'm learning about myself that feel good. So when I forget, could you remind me? (laughs) Like sometimes we get to lean on our community a lot as well to further support us and reminding ourselves of what's going to feel like self-care. Totally. Totally. So what do you think is one of the biggest things you've been exploring within your practice, with your clients lately around 
food and body and body image. I feel like this is, you know, ever since the pandemic started, I feel like it's just grown in more awareness around how many things affect our relationship with our food and our body and our perception of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of pieces, I think there's like noticing of when things feel like a link between when things feel out of control, which many things have felt, especially over the past few years and things that make people feel in control or give this illusion of control. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the times that can be around food and body image. So I would say the control piece, and then also the different narratives that we've had for a really long time around what, like what, what eating should look like, what bodies should look like the pressure around that. And I think that unpacking or just like noticing how long those like different belief systems have been in place can be a really powerful, interesting piece to like have the space to talk about because diet culture as a whole does a really good job of making things feel like an individual's fault or like that someone is like lacking something that they're not able to keep up this diet or no, they're not able to stay at this same weight for their entire lives, which is just such a, you know, not a real thing at all, but Mm -hmm. um, there can be, feel a lot of blame around someone. And I think that can feel really isolating and feel really like alone or like that they're like this exception to the rule and like everyone else is able to do these things because a lot of the times that's what you see on social media or that's what you see in these like marketing messages And so I think that there's both increasing community and awareness on social media and in general. And also it seems to be still this feeling of like feeling really alone in that or feeling at fault or like, I just think that a lot, I think it's also really just hard to talk about. And so a lot of the times the clients I work with, and maybe you feel like probably feel the same of just like, it's like the first time that they've said these things out loud or the first time that they've like noticed that this was a problem or that there was like an alternative to spending your entire life for many, many, many years, really micromanaging food or feeling out of control around food or going on this like binge and restrict cycle or eating differently in anticipation of an event or a wedding or seeing people. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that maybe with the past few years of just everything changing and people being so spent in so many ways that I think it was maybe more obvious of just like, this takes so much energy and we just like have much less energy, just feeling kind of like drained in a lot of ways. And so I would say that those are some, some of the things that have been kind of coming up a lot around like control around feeling alone. Yeah. And noticing, noticing how that those narratives and like beliefs that have been there for a long time. Yeah. I appreciate you just normalizing all of this that I think for a lot of individuals first, yes, totally agree with you in my sessions as well. How many times I've heard, I've never told anyone this before. And it really just, it breaks my heart a little bit over just how much shame has been created around our relationship with food that we feel like we can't even tell anyone what's playing out in our relationship with food. And that it's okay. Like, even if you're deep in it right now in some disordered or eating disorder behavior, like it's happening for a reason. And like you're pointing to of it's maybe supporting you and feeling in control in a time in this world where there are so many things that continue to come up that feel out of our control. And so here comes food as your ally and your best friend 
helping you feel a little bit of a glimmer of like something is in your charge. And it can feel really painful and difficult in the moment when those patterns are playing out. And so I even just heard of what you were saying, just offering yourself so much compassion that if you're in this right now, like it's okay. And we need to be talking about it more so that you're not doing it and then shaming and judging yourself for doing what you're doing because it's okay Mm -hmm. that you're doing it. Yeah. And I think like, you know, having more awareness around like seeing, seeing more people talking about, about, you know, reaching out for support or like having more support or that these things can change. And I think too, like sometimes almost giving credit to like, as different seasons of life change, right? Like something might've been like a really resilient coping mechanism in the past. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe your, maybe your circumstances have changed. Maybe you have different support systems now, maybe what felt helpful in the past doesn't feel as helpful anymore, or maybe it's starting to like the unhelpful parts are starting to outweigh what feels helpful or that like semblance, or sometimes I call it like the illusion of control that it can provide. And so that might, like, I think, you know, I think that can help sometimes with like some of these pieces of shame of like, oh, like this has been something that's going on so long. And it's like, actually, it sounds like right now you're in a place where like, this doesn't feel as helpful anymore. And like, maybe we you're in a place where you want to like shift some of these pieces or have some more support around this. Or, you know, I, I think that that can be a really interesting place too of saying like, it's not, I think that people go through a lot in their lives. And like, there's different things that help you get through those really difficult times or different seasons, or you just learn different things or you're in a different place now. And so, yeah, I think that that can be an interesting part too, of of almost like giving credit to like both of those pieces, right? Like to say that all of dieting is like completely bad and like never had any positive, you know, piece for you is like, I think sometimes missing a bit of the point, right. Of like, one, maybe this was like something that was really strong narrative. Maybe everyone was doing it. Maybe it helped you have community in some ways. Maybe it helped you feel in control in some ways. Maybe it helped you like not have to think about food as much initially. And maybe now there's like, actually now it doesn't feel as supportive. Now I don't really like these different messages. Now it kind of limits me from feeling attuned to my body or being able to be flexible or these different parts. And like both of those can exist at once and that's okay too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that you pointed out at one point, your habits and patterns with your food and body were effective. That's why you kept doing them because they were giving you at some point what you were looking for. And that when you find someone like you or me, it's just that it it stopped working. It stopped giving you what you were looking for. And it's that just is the moment of, okay, you're entering into a new phase in your life and it, you're ready to maybe find something else that will give you what you're looking for that maybe feels more uh, satisfying, more like self-care uh, long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how can people find you? And you know, you are, like you said, everything you do is virtual. And I would just love to hear more about like your offerings and yeah, how pe- people can feel more supported by your work. I follow you on Instagram. You put out fantastic content there. And, you know, I really feel your passion for challenging this diet culture in every single thing that you put out. And it's really important that we have more and more voices like that. So people can even pick up on what diet culture is. Yeah. Well, thank you. That that means a lot. I, 
I'm most, so I would say mostly social media. I'm on Instagram at the wellful. And then, um, I am newly on, I've gotten like locked out of a couple TikTok accounts. So my newest TikTok is at Brenna O'Malley RD. And I work with clients one-on-one. So I do a lot of like, it's all virtual. So it's all through like FaceTime or Skype or zoom and working on relationship with food or body image or chronic dieting, or, um, wanting to have a better relationship with food to be able to like eat without guilt and, and feel, feel more flexibility. I think that a lot of the times when I ask clients, like why this is important to them, they're mostly saying something along the lines of like, they want to be able to like spend this time and energy and brain space that they've dedicated towards dieting towards other things that are important to them. And I think that's just such a cool, you know, as such a great reframe of like, what are the things that are important to you? Where do you want to spend this time and energy? Um, so yeah, I mostly work through one-on-one counseling and, um, nutrition therapy through, from a non-diet approach. And my website is thewellful.com as well. Yeah. And, you know, I always like to kind of leave our listeners with, if there was a baby step that they could start taking today towards the kind of maybe relationship they want to be having with their food and body, what's a baby step you would recommend to someone? I would say, I would say that if you were to start noticing the times that you tell your, like talk to yourself with like a critical voice around food and body image and just notice it and like label it as that was a really critical, like that's a really critical voice or that's me being really mean to myself. I also don't think that's, I think that's a big step, but you know, it could be like something that you could start today of just like noticing it. And so maybe it's like when you have something over the weekend or you go out to eat, or you just like are making your breakfast, whatever it is. And you notice yourself being like, Ooh, I shouldn't have, Oh, I did too much here. Oh, I need to do this other thing. And just like, like kind of to yourself saying like, okay, that's really critical voice. That's me being kind of harsh to myself. And you don't have to like, you know, do anything else with it, just kind of label it as a starting place. And I think it can be interesting to notice how often that comes up or around what situations that comes up and gives you sort of like a starting place. I think that's a great baby step. It it can feel kind of big to slow down and name those things in the moment. And we can't change what we're not aware of. So even just starting to become aware of that felt harsh, that felt critical, and just even just stopping there and uh, allowing it to just be in your awareness now of, wow, that was a really mean thing I just said to myself. I find that awareness, it's like a snowball. You know, it just starts to build upon itself where you can then decide, do I want to keep thinking that thought? Do I want to keep being critical with myself? What else could I think about myself right now? What else could I be doing or how else could I be interacting with myself? Totally. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time and your wisdom and just thanks for sharing everything that you did today. I think this conversation around what is health is kind of really important because it's confusing and it's complicated. And I love this takeaway of it's self-defined. And I think that also is a really important takeaway from today as well of only you live in your body and only you are going to know what is best for you. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you again for being here. And to all of the listeners, I will leave all of the links in the show notes. If you have any questions for either of us, I will also leave our contact information in the show notes as well. And I hope you all just have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye.